Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the NYC Real Estate Podcast. I'm Mark Levine. I'm your host, and we are almost at 40 episodes. Uh, today, we've got a great guest and Hal Cooper-Smith from Cooper-Smith and Cooper-Smith, among other things. Hey, Hal. Hey, Mark. Great to be here. Congratulations I'm happy to have on, you. On, congratulations on being almost 40. <laughs> Thank you. I wish I was almost 40 in real <laughs> life, but the podcast is growing, and it's great. Um, so before I get into you, let me just remind everybody that they could email the show at nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. If you could subscribe to the podcast, share it and rate it, uh, five stars would be great. Uh, word of mouth is great for us. And the more people that listen, obviously the better the content and the more people that we could have on. So how um, you've been in real estate for quite some time and you're doing a few different things. And I think like me, you tend to look outside the box to see interesting things like a podcast. Um, for those listening, I own a property management company. It's not such a foray into the podcast world, but we've made the jump. And I think that like creating a niche of people that are interested in hearing what you have to say is pretty interesting and it adds value. Um, the new, and it's the NY launch pod is your podcast, right? So if anybody is listening, if you want to just pause the podcast and search for it in the, in any of your podcast apps and you can, um, subscribe to it also, but you want to tell us before you get into um, your law firm and your experience with that, what you're focusing on on the podcast. So um, that's right. I do have a podcast, Mark, and I respect everything that you're doing. You have a, a wonderful podcast. Uh, what I'm focusing on right now is rentals in New York City um, and, and New York State. And New York State had passed the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act in 2019. It was a sweeping reform of residential landlord tenant laws. There's a lot of aspects to the law. Uh, some of those people are somewhat familiar with that late fees are capped at $50. The credit check fees are capped at $20 that you can't have more than one month security. But there are certain requirements that I'm very focused on and trying to educate the market on mm -hmm. and that we developed a proprietary solution for. Right. And that solution is rescue. That solution is rescue. Um, res for residential cues for alerts, uh, mm -hmm. as we like to say, that save you from non-compliance and the aspects of the law that aren't so familiar out there um, that are incredibly important and just haven't gotten attention because we've had the eviction moratorium, which is still ongoing, is that for any residential lease in New York State, uh, any the landlord has to offer a non-renewal notice or a rent increase notice if they want to increase the rent by more than 5%. And that notice has to go out 30, 60, or 90 days and that length of time depends on how long the tenant has been in the premises for. The second requirement is that if the tenant is not going to be renewed, that the landlord has to offer a walkthrough within a one-week window that starts two weeks before the end of the lease. And finally, landlords need to return the security deposit or provide an itemized list of deductions within two weeks from the end of the term. So as a lawyer, I... We've done a, a few residential leases. I thought that my clients would have no hope of following this law and that a lot of landlords out there and co-ops and condos, which, which you manage, um, aren't aware of these requirements as well. 
So we developed a proprietary platform that takes simple information from the lease, the date the tenant first moved in, the expiration date, address of the property, and where you want those emails and text messages to go, either to you, the landlord, the manager, and a, and a broker. You can add up to three people. And we send intelligent emails and text messages based off of the information that you provide to let you know of all the requirements of the law so that you don't miss a deadline and uh, are a compliant landlord. It's similar to, in my mind, what Jack Jaffa does for violations you're doing for leases and requirements under those leases pursuant to law. So it's a tracking tool and it's um, a communication tool so that nothing gets left, right? Nothing gets left under... We can't um, not have, we don't have the excuse anymore that, oh, we forgot about it if we use the service because it's automatically just going to pull it down on the day that it has to go out, notice is sent out, and then we're providing for all those steps that are required by that law. Right. And um, as a lawyer, and what Jack would say is that ignorance of the law is not an excuse. You still have to follow the law mm-hmm. and the law is what it is. And so we set up an alert system that sends out notices 45, 30, and 15 days before each deadline, and then reminds you when to return the security deposit. And you can shut them off um, as soon as you renew the lease or understand everything that, that's going on. Is, um, do you have any APIs right now that work with any of the software that management companies or landlords may use? Because I know like some companies would use Appfolio or maybe... I think Rent Cafe, I don't know if Rent Cafe is used so much in New York, but it's out there. Um, also, we use um, a software called MDS where we're putting in all of our um, lease information. Do you have, if it's not there now, is that anything that's on the table for the future? Or is that just something that you found doesn't need to happen because the service itself as a standalone service works correctly? So there's a lot of different approaches to that. Right now, we're platform agnostic. So mm-hmm. you're getting emails and text message alerts. And uh, it, we kind of had the smaller owner in mind. And in terms of developing an API, when larger landlords want to step in, that's certainly something we can do. Right now, we take simple information. So an API can mean all sorts of things. We're it, because we take simple information, we're able to bulk add everything onto our platform. All we need is the the date the tenant first moved in, address and expiration date of lease, and then we're able to to calculate from there. Uh, On the horizon is generating those notices um, and all the steps that the landlord needs to take, um, you know, to to follow the law. Okay. Obviously, we do a lot of co-op condo, as we said, and we also do have rental buildings, but on the on the co-op side, we always say that co-ops are very similar to rentals. I mean, you have the proprietary lease in place. You have, you're bound by New York, you know, uh, with the housing, the landlord tenant, you know, court, and it's seen as a rental property because of that proprietary lease. What are you seeing from the law's perspective? How is the co-op treated in comparison to the rental apartment? That's maybe in a rental building that has a landlord. So, when we first developed ResQ, we had co-ops and condos in mind, and particularly co-ops, because if you don't send out that non-renewal notice, your tenant has the right to continue the lease on the same terms and conditions until you send out that non-renewal notice. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a co-op and there's a restriction on how long you can sublease your co-op apartment, if you're an owner and you have 
don't know about the law or ignored it, then then you may not be able to enforce the expiration date of your lease with your subtenant. And so you may accrue penalties from the co-op because your subtenant decides, hey, I'd like to hang out here. Right. And also, if you are an owner of a co-op or condo and are thinking about selling your unit and your tenant says, you know what, I'd like to hang out here for another 60 or 90 days, then that can really mess up a, a right. sale or a transaction. And by law, theoretically, if you hadn't given them, given them the notice that was required, whether it's the 30, 60 or 90 days, they have the right, from what I'm understanding to stay there until they receive that notice of non-renewal. So it could be a fly in the ointment if you're looking to either get a new tenant in there, if you're allowed, or sell it, right? Exactly. And and that's something that the, the market hasn't really adjusted to at this point. So I'm very passionate about getting the word out because there's been the eviction moratorium that housing courts are going to be backed up. But the way I see it is that um, as the tenants become more educated in New York city, which we know is a very tough town and, yeah. and smart tenants, tenants are going to look to take, um, you know, for any advantage they can get. And so we, we developed this platform rescue to help um, landlords follow the law. That's great. And what, what are you focusing on? So shifting from rescue and it, I'll put a link in the description of the podcast also, but it's R E Z C U E M E.com R E Z C U E M E.com. So it's not rescue. It's R E Z for res. Just yeah. that. So I'll point people there as well on your other side, you're doing legal work and you're an attorney um, with Cooper Smith and Cooper Smith. It's your last name. So um, tell me about the history of that. Uh, it is my last name, Mark, and uh, it's a firm that was started by my grandfather at the height of the Great Depression. Um, he graduated law school and there weren't uh, many jobs available, so he went out on his own. And my father joined my grandfather in practice, and now I have the pleasure of working um, with with my father. And we are, um, there's been a Cooper Smith practicing real estate in New York City. Um, for over 85 years. And that's a very that's amazing thing that we have. Yeah. How many lawyers do you have in your firm? Right now, it's it's me and my father and a paralegal, but we're nice. certainly looking to, to grow yeah. in the future. No, that's great. Uh, I'm all about, uh, you know, long-term family relationships. I've worked with my dad for almost 25 years at this point. So I'm in the same boat. I always say, you know, to my kids, I I have a 13 year old girl and an eight year old boy. I'm like, if either of you want to work with me in the future, if that's what you want to do, I am more than happy to have you. I think also growing up, you probably through osmosis picked up a lot because you were around it your entire life. I always felt like that too. And I have a, I have a feeling, you know, my kid, I do tons of um, zoom, especially now because it's from home. So it's a little bit different, but I do the zoom annual meetings. I do the zoom board meetings and everything is out there. So they're just kind of hovering around all of it and they could, they pick up on things. So I'm sure when you were growing up the same, my kids the same, and that's great that you can keep that going and, and move that forward for all these years. But it's also nice that you can, similar to me, where you're bouncing out and you're saying, okay, there's more to this space than just what was there in front of me. What, where else can we go? And that's what I like about like what I'm hearing with like the rescue me and you know, the podcast, it's all, 
it's all, you're in the same ecosystem, but it's handling different things from different areas. And that's really where it gets interesting. And you never know. Yeah. All these things lead to other things. So that's great. Um, we could probably do an entire podcast just about working with family and family business. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I did start drinking 25 years ago. <laughs> there is a correlation, but I don't know. Um, so I think you said before we got on, and I remember seeing um, a Habitat email this week, and I'm pretty sure that this Rescue Me was the uh, featured software on that, right? It was, it was it through the blast uh, that it came through? Yes, the, we're, we're recording this on a Friday. It went out uh, yesterday on Thursday. Yeah, and that's great. So the crux of the argument was exactly what we're saying. You know, it's a way for you to track um, between the with the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act, you know, all of those benchmarks that you had to hit so that you're operating your um, business, which is your apartment and that relationship with the tenant in the proper way. Have you seen um, just in the last 24 hours, ha have you seen any sort of uptick, um, you know, in information that people are looking for? Or have you seen just maybe a variety of different uh, sources come through? I know sometimes it takes a few days for everybody to, you know, digest and read and it's a Thursday. So maybe they won't even get to it till Monday. Um, but Habitat's great. We've been in there before and we've done videos with them and all that stuff. So any, anything that you could do that way is great. Yeah, it, it was it was wonderful that we were able to be featured by Habitat magazine. It was it was a very nice article. Um, and certainly uh, some people that I know in the industry um, reached out immediately. And um, what what's nice about that article, just to summarize it for um, people who may not have seen it or your audience, is that um, they focused on the aspect uh, for co-ops and condos, uh, which is an area obviously yeah. that you're focusing on. And we partnered uh, with a management company uh, before I was able to, to meet with you who manages um, some unsold units within the, the co-op and they're using rescue to help out um, just because the co-op can be liable because they're actually the landlord, but it can be on all sorts of different platforms. Um, one for the individual condo and co-op owner or for management companies to, to start using rescue. And you have bulk pricing. Um, I think I saw that in the, yep. um, the Habitat article where to reach out to you for bulk pricing. I mean, I imagine man management companies are overseeing a tremendous amount of units. Um, so that's if, if, if that gets to, you know, the huge companies of the world, that's amazing for you. You know, right. it's all about attention. Who can you grab attention from? Um, okay. So with the, the housing stability and tenant protection act, um, we talked about it on the co-op side, on the condo side, also you have the same issue where it's, you're leasing out the unit. The condo owner is the landlord in this case, not the, um, cooperative corporation to the shareholder. So it's fee simple interest. They own their unit. They're leasing out their unit on their own. Um, they still also have to abide by this as well, correct? Yes, they. It, everyone has to abide by the law, uh, yeah. particularly for the, for the condo owner. And uh, another nice thing about having rescue and and what we're doing is the way that I I see it as being a lawyer in in some regard at scale. The law is what it is right now, and mm -hmm. we have that information. But um, as the law changes, either through the legislature or court cases, we're able to modify um, exactly what we're doing and helping landlords follow the law, whether they're a co-op owner, condo owner, uh, large renter at scale, or, or a management company. 
What are you seeing as the biggest challenges um, from the law side these days? I know that things are changing very quickly. I, very, I see the focus on the tenant protections, even over the last four years, you know, all of the signage, all the information, all of the uh, new laws with, you know, I don't know how a credit check could be capped at 20. I know that I'm losing money when we run a credit check. Um, oh, let me ask you an opinion, because I've asked this of other attorneys on the phone, and this is actually a good topic. When I'm managing a co-op, let's say, and there's a shareholder that wants to sublease out their unit, now they're becoming an investor. Potentially, they're, it's an investment that's making money because their rent is going to be greater than their um, maintenance uh, and maybe an assessment. I'm not really so concerned about their mortgage because that's irrelevant to the building. You know, they're making money over the the maintenance itself. Mm-hmm. If I'm a management company and I'm doing a applica- an application for this subtenant and I ask for a credit check, uh, I've gotten various information on, okay, if it's $100 for a credit check normally, can I charge that $100 to either the shareholder or the subtenant? And my thought was, could I share, could I, instead of going to the subtenant and saying, okay, your application to rent is subject to this credit check fee and also to this application fee, because it's always built into our contract for an application fee and all those things. It's like an, it's an exhibit A to the contract Mm -hmm. because it's for an individual. Um, Could I instead say, okay, subtenant, because of the tenant protection act, I'm not going to charge you for the application, but I'm going to pivot it over to the shareholder because that's the, now the, the shareholder is the one who's looking to rent out um, for profit, theoretically, and they're not subject to the Tenant Protection Act in that way. Could I go and move the fees over so that legally I'm collecting what's in my contract, but I'm not forcing it upon the subtenant applicant who may be protected by this law? Well, Mark, what we talked about from the beginning in terms of innovation and, and thinking outside the box is, is something that you're highlighting with what you're doing um, in terms of the the processing fees for, for the co-op. And, and I do like that um, idea a lot. What, what I will say is that when I, I've spoken to a lot of brokers about um, about rescue and the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act and, and brokers who are out there um, when they see co-op and, and condo fees get concerned because they say, I know this law that now that you've taught me, am I able to collect this on behalf of a co-op and condo? And yes, they, they are. And that is a safe harbor within the law. And the law um, is, uh, the statute came out, but the law is continuing to be interpreted. Mm-hmm. And what that, and that interpretation um, brokers are, are well aware in terms of how they're able to collect their commission, whether it's from a tenant or from a landlord. So it's a long way of saying, you know, what are these co-op and condo fees uh, going to be? Are they legal under the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act? And the answer is, in, in some regard right now, that it hasn't been, it's, it's not a definitive yes, and it's not a definitive no. And so what you're talking about in terms of um, shifting the burden onto the shareholder and having a sublet fee or a condo processing fee because you're an owner, and this is something that we need to do from a management perspective, I think is very smart. Mm -hmm. Um, And as the law continues to evolve, I think what you're doing uh, and the way that you've implemented the strategy will 
will be shown to be a lot uh, smarter. Yeah. And you said it right, shifting it. And it's, I think until it's, until it's fought over in court, we won't have that definitive answer or until they amend it. But I don't see it amending too quickly. Just seeing what's been going on with, you know, the residential real estate market and how, as I said before, how those laws have been coming out, how the protections have been put in there. I see it sliding, you know, in that direction. And until something happens, we'll just keep on trucking that way. But I get a lot of pushback from both sides, from the shareholders, from the um, subtenants, but they have to realize that there are, it is, it's, it's time, it's labor, you know, it's the board reviewing that they, they work for free, but we don't as managing agents. And in our contract, it's built out as an additional fee because it's not work for the general co-op or condo. So it's important for us that we get that right. You know, we don't, and we also don't want to put ourselves or the building in a negative position where they would be, or we would be subject to legal action because we're doing something improperly. This is all very, you know, very important. Um, just to, to note, I don't know if we went over the actual qualifications for that 30, 60, 90 days um, for the housing tenant, uh, housing stability and tenant protection act, where you have to give the notice to that um, tenant. So it's 30 days before the expiration of the lease. If you've never, if that was the first lease, right? So if they've lived there for a year, you only need to give them 30 days notice that you're not renewing, right? If the tenant has been in the premises for less than one year, you have to send out that notice at least 30 days in advance before the expiration date of the lease. So that even includes a 31-day lease. You would still have to send out that notice. So literally, if it's a 31-day lease, theoretically, on day one of their lease, you're like, okay, we're not renewing your lease again. Right. And and that it certainly highlights that, that there are corrections to be made in the law. Uh, yeah. and, and what that means. And but why I want to highlight that is because for seasonal rentals, there may be landlords out there who have rented out um, their houses, um, maybe on Long Island um, or seasonally to New York City COVID refugees. And they say, you know what, when the summer comes, I'd really like my house back and I could or I could rent it for a higher amount when it's on season. You can think about the Hamptons, the North Fork, um, something something like that. And if you don't send out that non-renewal notice uh, at least 30 days in advance of the lease, you know what? I think your your tenant could take it, um, utilize the law uh, against you and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to hang out here for another 30 days until you send out that non-renewal notice. And right. I'm at a more favorable rent than your on-season rent. So right. it's oh, very important. True. It, it's very true. important um, for seasonal rentals that are shorter than one one year to send out that 30 day notice. It's a good it way to hijack the market. It, you know, there are certainly a lot of stories last summer with the eviction moratorium of of people taking advantage of the eviction moratorium. And uh, right now, you know, we the eviction moratorium through New York State, they, they passed um through April 30th, what, what um, went in the Senate. And so, you know, we don't know what the summer will will hold. Um, but if if the if last year's last summer's eviction moratorium can show what what tenants can do in the Hamptons and in, in fancy areas, then you can certainly uh, expect that or anticipate that there may be tenants who avail themselves of the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act. Mm hmm. 
All exciting stuff. <laughs> so, the, so, so to continue on, the sixty days is if the tenant has been in the premises for a year to up to two years, right. and then ninety days is for if the tenant has been in the premises for two years or more. So, if you had a one-year lease with a one-year renewal, on that renewal, you have to send out that notice at least ninety days in advance. Got it. Or all right. Or one uh, on the third year, I should say. So if you don't have a clear understanding of the law and somebody's been there for more than two years and you send them a 30-day notice, you think you're done, but you're not. You have to do the 90-day notice. So it's really imperative that people track how long that tenant has been there, when you want them to leave, and when you have to send them out, which is what your ser- service is essentially doing for you. So I, I could see a lot of ways for this to go wrong for an, for a landlord. And for them to be caught up on, you know, on the other side of it. So it's, it's super important. Um, as I said, I'm going to put links to all of your websites in the description of the podcast. So if you're listening, just go to the description and you'll be able to click on them. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to cover before we jettison off? I think we covered a lot here. Um, you know, there's only so much Housing Civilian Tenant Protection Act that that anyone can, can handle. <laughs> um, but if if anyone is interested in in talking more about it, please feel free to reach out. Um, you know, or visit rescueme.com, and um, you know, we're we're always happy to talk about it and and talk about what rescue can do. I like that name, Rescue Me. I know I remember the show, but I like the play on it. Right. Thank, yeah. uh, thank you. You know, yeah. there's all sorts of fun things you can do with it. Great. So hopefully I'll be on your podcast one day and we can do a crossover event. Um, until then, let me just remind everybody how to um, contact the show. It's NYC real estate podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's NYC real estate podcast at gmail.com. If you wanted to check out my company website, you can go to ebmg.com. Again, that's ebmg.com. I'm Mark Levine. I want to thank everybody for joining the podcast. And Hal, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. It was an awesome episode just hearing about all of this uh, Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act and about Rescue Me and everything else. And I, I learned something today. So hopefully everybody listening did as well. Thank you, Mark. It's been great being here. All right. Take care.